This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evenings on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt Patrick here today. Uh, coming up in the uh, 4 o'clock hour, a requiem for the Super Bowl with Michael Broadcorp. We'll talk to him about that. Patrick, uh, how are you today? Did how, how much did you enjoy the Super Bowl last night? Uh, first half was really dull. The second half was actually pretty good. I was... Uh, talking to Chad a little earlier, that I was actually kind of amused uh, with all the new fans tuned in to watch the game, that they were probably not too impressed, especially with the first half, and I kind of enjoyed that. Uh, well, and and the real, I, I think, and by the way, for people out there wondering who Chad is, Chad is the grand poobah of AM 950 up here, at the mothership where I'm a mother. Anyway, uh, you know, we're he's our, her guy up here, and, and, and so we're talking about it. I overall, I thought it well. First of all, it was it was a great game. I mean, at the end of it, I mean, yeah, it was not as exciting in the first quarter. Was really kind of dull. Kind of picked up in the second quarter. Third and fourth quarter were good fun, and then that overtime was, yeah, and it was kind of funny. It's like, oh, we're playing another game until someone wins this. This is we're just playing another game. If and, and the question I have is, would they have had another halftime? If they got to the end of the second quarter of the second game, I believe they would have. Yes. Wow. Wow. That would have been, yeah, that, that would have been amazing. So, uh, yeah, the overall, um, very impressed with the game. I got a lot of thoughts to get to on it, uh, to break down here for the show. 952-946-6205, because I think the funniest part, hands down, the funniest part was how ballistic Rito America was going at the how dare you take your gun or Taylor Swift and Joe Biden. It was funny because um Cisco <laughs> and Taylor Swift, that means you're rooting for San Francisco and Taylor Swift, that means you're rooting for San Francisco, the city you guys can't stand. I mean, if you, if there is a city in this country, I mean, Chicago is up there, but I would say, yeah, that, that, that the city that the Republicans hate the most of all, hands down, is San Francisco. And so there is this legitimate question. It's like, wait a minute, you're actually going to, you know, go cheer, cheer for them? That's kind of a surprise. That's a shocker. Um, The... Yeah, I, I I can't. I mean, for the life of me, and we've talked about this before. I I don't understand why you guys are so just in in such a weird 
place right now where it is the intention is you have to have to be rooting against something. I mean, you just you know like that. I mean, it just it makes no sense. It's cute. Did you see them at the end of the game? I mean, it's all America right there. Here's here is I mean, you couldn't write it for God's sakes. The superstar pop singer giving her boyfriend who just helped win the Super Bowl the ability to 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 give smoochy 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 smooch. And yeah, I just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yet you guys can't stand it. And yeah, it's and, and because you just it, how dare you not put Donald Trump first? I mean, there is a great leader mentality to these people that is really kind of, you know, kind of odd that you, you know, before we play this football game, we all need to take a few minutes to thank the real God in our lives, Donald Trump. And and, unless everyone is out there saying Donald Trump is the greatest and Donald Trump is all this, then, then you're a loser. Just it is it is remarkable how tied up in the Nazis people have gotten. Um, uh, the game was good. Um, and you know, tied up 19 at the end of the, the game and then, uh, went on and, 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 and I said this on Friday, I'm going to go with the Kansas city chiefs for this one reason. If I have to have a quarterback in a, in a win or lose situation, would I rather have Brock Purdy or would I rather have Patrick Mahomes? And prophetically I ended up being right because in overtime, Brock Purdy, even though they had driven pretty much all the way down the field, could not get the ball in the end zone and took the field goal. Patrick Mahomes just, you know, he said, fine. All right, we just have to score a touchdown. And once they got that first down, it was like first and three on the, you know, first and goal on the three in overtime. It was, there was, I, there was no way on the planet they weren't going to figure out a way to score. You just could see it. And once they did, it was over. There you go. Um, Usher, fantastic. The halftime show was spectacular. Uh, it was entertaining. It was, I was a little concerned about that stage at the end. Did you see it bouncing? The, the, the temporary stage? <laughs> I was a little concerned for the Usher and his, and, and Ludacris and little John were up there. And yeah, I didn't know if it was going to hold up. It did. Thankfully, that would have been a bad headline. Um, the one quick football thing, and I, and I don't want to, we're not going to turn this into a sports show per, sh- per chance here, but um, one quick thing at the halftime, Boomer Esiason said the touchdown for the 49ers should have not counted. And I, I haven't really seen an explanation outside of someone said there was an un, you know, a lineman was downfield and that's a, it was against the play. They should have whistled it, and he should have gotten penalized, and that should have been the end of it. I didn't know. Did, did you see that? That, that was, This was a touchdown where the guy, he, they threw it over to the one guy. The th- guy threw it back to McCaffrey, and McCaffrey ran into the end zone. But apparently there was a lineman who was downfield, and that's against the rules. Yeah, and that's been something that's kind of, I think, a point of emphasis to call this year. That's, that's one of those penalties that they've been making a point to, to make sure gets – enforced more often than it had in the past and I I didn't notice anything myself it was never brought up there were some there was an, another couple plays that I kind of wondered about that were different from that that weren't called either but 
I didn't notice anything about that one in particular. Okay. All right. Uh, well, you know, uh, needless to say, it didn't matter. I, I, one thing they didn't call it, they weren't calling holding at all. They weren't calling holding at all. Uh, what was, in your mind, the best ad from yesterday? Oh, that's uh, I'm trying to think because there was one that I enjoyed pretty well, but now I have to think back. The Dunkin' Donuts one I thought was fantastic. With, with Damon out there, um, with Damon out there basically saying, I'm sorry about this, with Ben Affleck's new The Dunk, the Dunk Kings uh, for Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> it, I thought that was great. That actually finished number two on the ad meter, the USA Today ad meter. The other one I loved, I loved the Uber Eats with uh, Schwimmer, David Schwimmer from Friends and Jennifer Aniston. And um, yeah, I, I loved that because of just of Schwimmer's line at the end. It's like, I can't stand this town. That was funny. Uh, our uh, The Twin Cities own Justin Jefferson uh, showing up in that Born to Play ad. That was the fifth best ad of the... Um, of, of the show. I like the Beyonce Verizon ad was pretty good. That finished nine. Um, but the number one ad was the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, like a good neighbor ad where neighbor, he says it like choppa. Yeah. That one was uh, pretty amusing. Yeah. I'll leave that last line. Like you are the best ever. And Danny DeVito says backstabber. <laughs> Dunkings. I thought the Dunkin' Donuts one was better than that one. Arnold is fantastic. And, and you know, I, I appreciate more the guy poking fun at himself, allowing himself to be the, the, the kind of the butt of the joke a little bit. Um, the, the Perfect 10, that was the one with the girls skating. That was the Kia Perfect Skating one. That's That was, you know, that was pretty cute. That was that was pretty cute. That finished number three. Uber Eats finished four. Born to Play five. The Hard Knocks, the Dove Super Bowl film, uh, the the Dove one. That's the Dove soap. That the one was I I thought you know, it talks about how girls get out of sports, and basically because of body issues, and they, they talk about this and and I thought it, it's a very tough subject to bring up. I congratulate them for doing so. As a person who has two daughters. You know, you it, it is one of those things where, yeah, that that that's, it, you know, that's a tough conversation and tough things. And when your kid comes to you and says, "I don't want to play sports anymore," and you're like, "Why? You love sports," and you, you got to try to figure that stuff out. I think addressing that straight on is a good thing. Uh, the talking like walking one was like seven, and if you're going to do that ad, can I make the point? You need to have good impressionists in it. And the first two guys were okay. Everyone else couldn't do a Christopher Walken imitation if their life depended on it, for God's sakes. I'd, I, that one actually scored pretty low on a lot of them. Um, the Budweiser old school delivery, I, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure on that one. Uh, that, one uh, that, was, that one also did pretty well. Of the worst ones, let me scroll through the here. Here, uh, well, and, and and not a not a surprise. The worst one was the Kennedy one. I'll get to that one. I got a lot of things I got to talk about with that. Um, but that was the worst ad, worst received ad. 
doesn't surprise me at all that it was as poorly received as it was. But the, yeah, that was the worst. Let's see here. Um, the Snapchat ad, which has been on the air for a while. That one was the second worst. Make your moves count. TurboTax was, you know, attacked. I don't, I think that's just a tough sell anytime. The Starry ad with uh, Ice, uh, Ice Spice was, um, that was, that was the, the next one. And then Who's Your Neighbor? He Gets Us. Um, that's the, the Jesus one. I'm going to get to that one here a little bit. Well, <laughs> Gronk missing the field goal. Dude, I could have hit that thing closer than you did. The other one, the, the, where was that one? Was like shop like a billionaire? Oh, is that for Temu? Oh God, that was a horrible ad, man. I didn't I, I'm, I shop like a billionaire. Talk about, you know, 1985 mentality. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I wasn't a, I'm not a big fan of that one. Um, but no, overall, you know, that there's your breakdown of it. Um, who's my neighbor? He gets us. And then the, the foot washing one from Jesus as well. That one is, um, yeah, that one led to some interesting lines. And like I said, I got thoughts on that one, but the Kennedy one, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to take a break here. When we do come on back, I want to talk about the Kennedy ad because there's a few things about that ad which are, I think it told us a lot about things. How about I say it like that? 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show on your Monday. It is the Matt McNeil Show. By the way, I had my Rubens on Pumpernickel. Thank you very much. We're rye bread at Pumpernickel. They were freaking delicious, man. Oh, I made up like four extras. I got them in the fridge at home. Just can't wait. Just outstanding. That's my that's my go-to Super Bowl food is the Reuben. And uh, I do love them. Oh, good stuff. And thank you, George Foreman, for that fantastic grill because that makes really good Rubens. It does, shockingly. 952-946-6205. Uh, speaking of meat being pressed, how about Robert F. Kennedy? Yeah, the $7 million, you are like me, you're like, what? There was a $7 million ad touting Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s run for president, which has now prompted an apology from the independent candidate. The ad produced by the American Values 2024, a super political action committee back in Kennedy, borrowed heavily from a 1960 spot for his uncle JFK, his successful presidential bid, it uses the same jingle and co-ops the vintage vibe. RFK Jr. shared the ad on X, the former Twitter, but hours later added an apology to his family after his cousin, Bobby Shriver, the son of Eunice Kennedy Shriver, slammed the ad. She would be appalled by his deadly health care views, Bobby Shriver wrote of his mother. Respect for science, vaccines, and health were equity, and, and healthcare equity were in her DNA. Nevertheless, the ad not only remained on RFK Jr.'s Twitter account, but was pinned to the top of his profile as of Monday morning. Um, speaking of, of him, I am so sorry the Super Bowl advertisement caused anyone in my family pain, Kennedy wrote. The ad was created and aired by the American Values Super PAC without any involvement or approval from my campaign. I'll get back to that in a second. FEC rules prohibit Super PACs from consulting with me or my staff. I love you all. God bless you. Okay. 
Kennedy's press secretary, Stephanie Spear, sang a much different tune regarding the big game advertising, which American Values co-founder Tony Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, estimated to have cost $7 million, according uh, to CBS News. We are pleasantly surprised and grateful for the American Values Pack for running an ad during the Super Bowl where more than 100 million Americans got to see that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for an independent candidate for president. Blah, 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 blah. Robert Sherm, a speechwriter for the late Senator Ted Kennedy, said on Twitter that the ad was straight out plagiarism. He added to quote Lloyd Benson with the slight uh, with a slight amendment. Bobby, you are no John Kennedy. Instead, you're a Trump ally. Kennedy, whose anti-vax views align with those on many of the conservatives, was grabbing 14 percent of the general vote in a recent poll that. Well, that's probably the best one. Most of most of the polls show him, you know, well below five percent, actually. Um but that, you know, and that poll was a five-person ballot in November. The positions of him as a potential spoiler and the expe- uh, expected main candidates, uh, Biden and the criminally indicted rival Trump. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the ad. Because first of all, let's just, I'm going to get this part out of the way first. How dumb are you guys? You think you're going to win over millennial and Generation Z voters by recycling an ad from, checks my notes, 1960. 1960. No. No. And, and, and as, if anything, the vast majority of millennials and Generation Z people I know know exactly who you are and want nothing to do with you. So you going out is like, hey, I got an idea to get those hip kids on our side. I mean, it, it, you could try to find a celebrity to get into bed with you besides Joe Rogan. But, you know, no, it kind of, that tells us, the fact that you and him are, you know, close buds tells us a lot about you anyway. So, no, it's just politically, that's a dumb ad because you're not going to appeal to anyone. Now, let's talk about two other things with this ad. The first is, does anyone honestly think that this pack would come up with this idea and not have consulted with RFK Jr. in his campaign in some capacity? It's pretty brazen to bring in someone's family legacy and campaign on it without the candidate knowing you're going to do that or the candidate's family not aware you're going to do that. Which leads me to the suspicion I have 100% is that RFK Jr. has indeed coordinated with that super PAC, which is very illegal. You're not supposed to do that. It, you know, RFK Jr. did indeed coordinate with the, his campaign, did it coordinate with the Super PAC to do that ad because even if you were the most arrogant, and I'll get to the group that put this pack out, that this ad out because there is an element to the stupidity of all this that needs to be flushed out. But even if you are just the most dim-witted bulb of an individual, wouldn't you say to yourself, before we track a beloved family member into his ad for him, 
which you did with JFK? Shouldn't we actually talk about J- uh, talk about this and see if this is something that he would be okay with? I there is brazen, and then there's just the, the realm of possibility is so minimal. I just can't even comprehend it. I just I can't comprehend it. So, yeah, I I I think there should be an investigation on whether or not. This pack coordinated in any capacity. The American Values Pack is uh, an action committee back in Kennedy. We should see if there was any coordination between the Kennedy campaign and this pack because that's horribly illegal. And I just, like I said, I understand dim-wittedness. I can't even comprehend being so brazen to put that out out there without with uh, without Robert F. Kennedy signing off on it. And the fact that Kennedy has it on the top of his Twitter feed. And has and originally praised it and said this is in this great. I, I'm sorry that this just screams that he coordinated with his pat this pack. This just screams that he did. Now I can't say for sure he did. I'm just saying it's pure speculation. But I think there should be an investigation. What I also think is this: if you want a sign that this is really just a Republican ploy to try to basically put a spoiler candidate into play. Just look at the logic problem that they put out there to put this ad into rotation. Well, because let's face it, Republicans don't know what resonates. They don't really care. They just want, they they loved it when it was Bernie Sanders because they could try to tack to Bernie Sanders and say, Bernie's not the nominee. You should stay home. And that kind of resonated. They don't have that this time around. So I can see some conference room where a bunch of Republican people with sticks up their backsides sitting around going, hey, wait, 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 what, are, what are these liberals like? They love Kennedy. Oh, God, I got the greatest idea. Let's go get one of those old Kennedy ads and do this. And we'll do this. And we won't talk to Robert F. Kennedy or anything. Yeah, right. But you get my point is that you're bringing in a president from over 60 years ago. It's not exactly cutting edge. It's not exactly there. If nothing else, this tells me this entire campaign is being run by the far right. Absolutely. I'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil show. Broadcasting in the evening on WCPTA 20 Chicago's Progressive Talk and in the afternoons on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. You were probably as well. Not only was I pretty stunned by the, the tactless nature of the Kennedy ad, but there were also multiple ads for Jesus in the in the Super Bowl, which I think it tells you a lot about how things are going as far as attendance in church, as does the response, the instantaneous response that took place in, uh, in real time on social media to those ads, which... You know, it, you know the, there is the one about, you know, Jesus washing the feet. And immediately the narrative was that Jesus had a foot fetish. And th- just think about that for a second. Just think about the, 
the the nature of that that you know it's the the a vast majority of the country openly was mocking these ads when i was a kid in the early 80s you never would mock mock christianity you just wouldn't if you did you kind of were run out of town i mean there were people that would would do critical analysis of like mother teresa or the pope and they're like, how dare you? The, the, the life of Brian, the Monty Python guys were blasphemized nationwide for, for daring to do a, a movie which they determined mocked and ridiculed Jesus. Which is, by the way, ab- as a person who's a Christian, absolutely hilarious. I, life of Brian, <laughs> that is a good movie, although... Yeah, uh, we got some questions with John Cleason costume early on. Let's, well, we'll, I'll, yeah. Anyway, the, you just didn't do that. And the fact that there, there wasn't, I didn't see any. Well, isn't it great they're talking about Jesus and the ads during the Super Bowl? Didn't see any of that. It, It gives me some time to break down something which the folks in Minneapolis-St. Paul know, Chicago, you probably haven't heard me go through this, maybe bits and pieces over the last few months, but let me take some time to talk about religion and my religion, because I'm talking about it from my perspective. Now, my I, let me predicate this with my usual disclaimer. You do or don't do whatever it is you do or don't want to do. I am Christian. Used to be Catholic. But uh, I left the Catholic Church not that long ago. I have found myself a, a lovely little Lutheran church, which is seems to be far more in line with the teachings of Jesus than what we were seeing before. We were Catholic. As a matter of fact, my wife uh, and I um, had a very strong relationship with church, which is always one of these reasons why I've always been kind of, I always kind of laugh at the idea of, you know, you need to teach church in school. Well, no, every church I know is open pretty much seven days a week, maybe six. And you want your kids to have as much church in them as they want. That's on you. You don't want to get off your lazy butt and take them down there. So you're looking for other people to raise your kids as you want in other venues. And that's not your job. You don't want to, if you don't want to raise your kids you know, fine, that's your call, but don't expect other people to do it for you. You know, it's, it's, it's that, and that's kind of one of the things I've mentioned because my kids were, we did the, the, the Catholic church shuffle, you know, first communion, baptized, first communion. Uh, they, they, they basically go through and get confirmed. All three of them have been confirmed in the church. And yeah, it was, it was, you know, something that was an integral part of our lives. And no, unlike the evangelicals who support Trump, who I don't know if you saw that poll that said most of them do not go to church, but once or twice a year, we are, we've always been regular churchgoers. Was at church yesterday. It was actually quite a lovely little service. I go to church probably three to four times a month. We like it. I got a great, like I said, the church I'm at right now, the music in that church is amazing. And, and that's a Lutheran church. I know usually it's a little somber in the Lutherans. You guys at Westwood do an amazing job with music. It's fantastic. We came back. We got married at a Catholic church in town. 
uh, back in 97. And when we moved back to Minneapolis-St. Paul, we immediately started going on a regular basis to that church. And of course, the first real big conflict we had was the, 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 the Catholic Church child sex scandal, which was horrible. And for us, religion, if you choose to partake in it or not, that's up to you. Once again, disclaimer, you do or don't do whatever it is you do or don't want to do. But religion, Christianity, is, and, and I think religion is an individual relationship. What kind of kept us in the Catholic Church during that crisis was the belief that in our church, it had n- nothing like that had even happened. There was no cover-ups in our church. There was nothing like that. And for the most part, that's, you know, we were there. I felt fairly secure that the diocese, the diocese of St. Paul, um, was also fairly clean. Unfortunately, that we, we did find out later on there was someone who was being shifted around. Um, but I remember back in the, the, the 2000s, the first decade, that we'd go to church, and there was one time we went to church, and all of a sudden there's like a third of the people there. I mean, it was just empty. And we're like, I'm like, my wife said, is it a holiday? Do I not? She's shrugging her shoulders. I always shrugging my shoulders. We didn't know. We end up not seeing most people for a while. And just what it was was then they finally addressed it. They said, yeah, there's a lot of people who have left because of the child sex scandal. And we keep telling them it's not us, but there. Now, some people did come back. Some of them did. The but for the most part, for a long time, the, you know, we went from a full church, and that was a big church, and it was full, to a third to a half full for many years. For the people in Chicago, back in 2012, in the twin in, in Minnesota, the Republicans tried to pass a anti-gay marriage amendment to the Constitution, um, and it was encouraged by the diocese quite a bit. Now, mind you, at the same time, the Republicans were trying to pass an anti-immigrant driver's license amendment or a law. I can't remember what exactly it was. And the diocese were also against that, but you never heard them talk about that. That was more of a protest in the silence of our hearts because they didn't want to upset their conservatives. But they were front and center on the, you know, we have to stop this scourge that is gay marriage. And it didn't go well for them. They lost, and they lost badly. I mean, in the weeks leading up to it, uh, the vote, the, um, they were putting out ads up here that were like, we don't hate anybody, but we don't want you to have the same rights as us, you know, which you know, sounds like hate to me and to most of the people in Minnesota as well. We were at our church, and the priest, now I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, our, our church was a fairly liberal Catholic Church. It was a fairly liberal one. And the priest comes on out and he says, I have been told by the diocese to tell you how to vote. And he says, I am not going to do that. You are intelligent people. You and vote how you feel is fit. Leave me out of it. He got a standing ovation, by the way, by the the, the parish, the congregation that day. And yeah, that was, that was one of those things where it, it you know, I appreciated that leadership. And once again, the anti-gay marriage amendment in Minnesota did fail back in 2012. There had been Ninestead, the, arch, uh, the, 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 the archbishop of the diocese, he uh, ended up 
leaving under a bit of a shadow. Yeah. Um, Hebda took over. And overall, you know, there, there was this movement to more of a conservative church experience over the last, say, 10 years or so before we left, which you know, it wasn't, it was little things, but I mean, it was definitely, uh, there was a push towards a more conservative thing. But then it was the Conference of Catholic Bishops. And this is basically this, this um, the, the, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops is this group of bishops that basically they're conservative. And the, the Catholic Church in the United States is far more conservative than it is in most other places on the planet. And they and, and, and a lot of this, and I've talked about this, is that if you go to individual parishes and this, the, the primary benefactor in a lot of those places is a conservative. And they basically have been pushing the church to be far more conservative. And like a lot of churches, you go to a lot of Catholic churches, and I've been to Catholic churches, where it didn't matter what the service was about. It didn't matter what the reading was about. The entire thing was gay people are evil and abortion is horrible, and that was it. And if, you, if you're not on board with us, you're going to burn. And that was it. That was their narrative. Hate, 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 hate. And they tried their hardest to try to paint this as something more than it was. But it was just hate, 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 hate. Well, the, the, the Conference of Catholic Bishops came on out, and this was something I've talked about at length, because this was the final straw for us. Joe Biden is the second Catholic president we've ever had. You would think the Catholic Church would be somewhat happy to have a devout Catholic man in the White House, as opposed to his predecessor, who basically didn't know how to even hold a Bible upright he, you know, he doesn't go to church, doesn't do, my God, he's a biblical villain. And yet the Catholic church loved him, loved him, loved him, loved him. And it was embarrassing. So the conference of Catholic bishops goes on out there and, it's in, and initially they say, we're going to rein that Joe Biden in and we're going to tell him that you can't have communion and all these things. ha, ha, ha. Well, that didn't go over well. It didn't go over well with me, a lot of other people, because this clearly was a political thing. And the Conference of Catholic Bishops realized they'd overstepped and immediately came out and was like, well, this isn't about any one particular person. This isn't about one political party. This is about just having a standard. But the thing that they could not help themselves from doing was running out to the cameras and, and going, my parishioners want that Joe Biden reigned in. George Bailey is a menace, that sort of thing, you know, the, the Potter thing. And they couldn't help themselves. They would sit there and say to you, to your face, this has nothing to do with Joe Biden, and then run out to their local media saying, we're doing everything to hold Joe Biden accountable. Well, that was the final straw for a lot of us. I left my church. And so did a lot of other people. We talked about this extensively on the air up here in the Twin Cities, where we talked about people were saying that, oh, yeah, that in some of their churches, they had seen yet another massive exodus. That <coughs> they were down in some of these larger churches to less than 100 people per mass, which that has never been there. And it's not just this exodus from these churches 
is not just a Catholic thing. It is not just something that happened with the Catholic faith. No, when you turn a religion that's supposed to be based on love, peace, compassion, and welcoming, and turn it into, here's who you need to hate, they're all demon people. This, this crap line of hate the, hate the sin, love the sinner. No, no, no. You, that's you basically implying the sin, and your applications basically imply that you somehow are Jesus on earth, and you can ridicule and criticize. No, that's not what you're doing. If you're not, and, and by the way, for the people that do this, you haven't read the dinging Bible, because the Bible says, it tells you exactly who Jesus hung out with, and all the people you constantly condemn, Jesus would have been hanging out with them the entire time. It's just a fact. Nope. They basically pushed us out the door. And that was it. We, we said, okay, fine, we're not welcome. And once again, it was not our church. Our church was lovely. I loved my church. This was a hard decision because I loved my church. And I don't think the priests that were there who I've had some of the greatest life lessons from just by sitting in a church service on a Sunday and listening to them, that they weren't on board with this either in any capacity. But yeah, we left, tried a few different faiths, ended up with the Lutherans, found a very welcoming, peaceful, compassionate, and loving parish there. I'll finish talking about this when I come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show. It's the Matt McNeil Show on a Monday. By the way, can I say one thing about the Super Bowl, which was great? Joe Biden trolling the right with the image that he released afterwards with his dark Brandon glowing red eyes saying, just as I drew it up. <laughs> Maddie Likey, do more there, Joe. Do more. I, I made the point. I just said, hey, yeah, it was just as you know, as Joe Biden called it, Mahomes to to Taylor Swift for the touchdown. Everyone gets a Bud Light, you know, and just yeah, just to nine five two 952-946-6205. So just finishing up the story here on religion and getting back to these ads that these religious ads here. Now uh, after we left our church, uh, our, our priest called us up and he said, would you mind meeting, got him, uh, Father Byron, and uh, Father Byron, he said, would you mind meeting, because I would love to talk with you about this and just kind of get some more insight into it, because he said a lot of people had left the parish, had left the church. And so I met with him, and and we, my wife and I both met with him, we had coffee and we talked it over, and he just sort of said, yeah, it's... This is, you know, he goes, I, and he said, and, and God bless him, he's passed away. It's, it's very sad, but he did say to us at the time, he says, I'm very concerned about where the Catholic Church is going because he's gone to the seminary, and the people that are controlling the seminary are only basically teaching two things. And this is, this is his story as he's relating to me. He's saying that they were, they were being taught to hate gay people and that abortion is the only sin that needs to be addressed. And that's it. And he himself said he would talk to young, you know, you know, priests coming out of, of the seminary and saying, you know, what about, you know, feeding the hungry and taking care of the sick? And they would say the same thing. It's like, all that stuff is great. And yes, I'm 100% for them, those things. But if those things need to be sacrificed for the other issues, that's the priority. 
He said there is pretty much every priest coming out of the seminary now. This is his statement to me, is this far-right priest who is only echoing right-wing political Trump talking points. He didn't know where the church was going to go. Like I said, I found a nice little uh, Lutheran church that I've enjoyed quite a bit, and my family goes there on a, on a pretty much a weekly basis. Um, we've volunteered. As a matter of fact, we're, we're now in the process of becoming members there. Uh, uh, the uh, Pastor Jason over there was, was after my back got broken by the drunk driver a year plus ago, he was just spectacular in his support and reaching out and seeing how I was doing. And yeah, feels like I found a home. Feels like it's peace, welcoming, caring, and compassion, and love. It doesn't surprise me you guys have to advertise now in the Super Bowl to try to get people to walk into your churches. But there is no one else to blame. There is no video game or heavy metal music. There is, there is no counterculture. There's no liberal that's doing it. You guys need to look in the mirror. Because even the people that want to be religious can't take this forced political narrative that you guys jam down people's throats. I have a friend that moved to outstate Minnesota, and the first day they went into church, they were like, oh, this is, we're such a welcoming parish. We're such a welcoming church. We're so welcoming. We're welcoming. She looked forward to it. She gets in there. As soon as the, 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 second, uh, the, the, uh, the gospel is done, all of a sudden it's this, you're, if you're not hating gay people— and she left. And as she was leaving, she was, you know, he was like, you know, I'm sorry, this is not what I wanted. So, but we're so welcome. The guy said, we're so welcome. She goes, no, you're not. Listen to what he's saying. You're literally pushing people out of the church. Not gently either, with force. And it doesn't matter how many ads you run in the Super Bowl. If I walk into a church and you tell me, know all that stuff in the Gospels? Ignore that. Ignore that. We're going to talk about how great Donald Trump is. You lost us. You've lost us. And I, you know, I, it used to be, I, I remember when churches used to avoid political content, contests like the plague because they didn't want to be seen as political. And now... There are many denominations in this country that can't help but get into bed with a with the political organizations because they've become addicted to the power they perceive that they get from having political allies or a seat at the political table. But yet, then they sit there and they wonder why are the the pews nearly as empty? Don't have nearly as many people in them. How come every person that graduates high school seems to leave and never come back? once their parents aren't dragging them to church. Have you tried being nice? Dead serious. Have you tried being nice? Have you tried not being judgmental? Have you tried not thinking of ways you can say, you're a sinner? Have you tried saying, you know what? I'm a Christian. That tells me I'm supposed to love and care for every person, regardless of whether I believe with the, the things that they, they stand for or not. So welcome on in. And I don't, we'll just go with that. Done talking. Have you tried being nice? 
That's not something you can fix with a few Super Bowl ads. And like I said, the reaction to those ads tells you how much trouble organized religion in this country is in right now. Because like I said, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, no one would have bad mouth. Even a religious ad they didn't agree with. They would just, okay, well, that's just, they have the right and off they go and that's good things. And the, the villainy that came on off of those ads. And I, once again, I think the people's hearts, Mark Wahlberg and the other, your hearts are in the right place. But maybe as opposed to trying to go out there and spend millions of dollars to, to convince people to come into church, why don't you give them a reason to come into church? We're welcoming. We don't care who you are. You're, you're welcome here. This is a condemnation-free zone. We are not going to take our personal dislikes, wrap them in a gospel, and act like we're being pious because we're criticizing you from behind a thin veil of gospel. Try being nice. I think it's going to help you out a lot, but that's just me. Once again, you do or don't do whatever it is you do or don't want to do. I am a Christian. Chicago, have a good one. Minneapolis, St. Paul, hour two up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Matt and Patrick and Greg Bach and Ghost Box Radio. Uh, if you are not listening to it at night here, 10 p.m. hour, it is fantastic radio, especially you like the UFOs, you like the Bigfoots, you like you, you like all that stuff, the ghosts, they got the ghosts. Uh, Greg Bakken has that all covered. How's, hey, Greg. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Squatch, you got, you're doing all Squatch tonight, huh? All Squatch tonight, and uh, I'm going to share uh, very personal experiences uh, that I'm, I am I can't wait to, I've, I've, I've said it on the air before, but... Uh, some people asked me to say it again, and then I put onto Facebook if anyone had any experiences that they would like to share, whether they think it's an interdimensional figure, this Sasquatch, or if it's like an animal. Okay. And so we'll just we'll just see what people have to say, and it's a safe place. You know, there's no one's going to laugh at your response or disagree. It is what it is. I think a lot of people are dismissive of those stories. Now, I'm not saying it is a squatch. Could be a bear. Could yep. be could be a moose. Moose are huge. It's dark out. You don't know what it is. You just see something large moving through the woods. I'm not saying it is, but I think people get dismissive of this stuff because they're scared of it being around their cabin. They're yeah. scared of it like that. So it's like, oh, that didn't really happen. Yeah. And but I guarantee you, at night they're looking out the windows like. You're absolutely right. I think a lot of people, and not just with Bigfoot, but anything, it's like, oh, that's not real because they don't want it to be real. Yeah. But uh, it's it's real. I'm sorry. You and I are here today. Uh, we're not necessarily going to talk about Sasquatch, although we could talk about Sasquatch and we could talk about Doctor mm-hmm. Who. I could do, do both of those easily enough. But we're here today because it is Listener Appreciation Month here on AM 950. Yes. Long overdue. We have been very, very grateful for the listeners out there. 2020 was a real tough year for a lot of people, and that's when really it was it was a little touch and go there. And what ended up happening was we, through the listeners, helping to support the station and the continued support that we've had, we've been able to keep AM 950 on the air. And not only that, but expand our programming because it's now my show live, Robert Pilot, Native Roots Radio, right after me, which is a fantastic show if yep. you're not listening to it. Your show, which is just such a great addition to the lineup here live uh, on weeknights. It, it is just, it's the least we can do to say thank you to all the great listeners. Yeah, I mean, that's just about it. I mean, it's just like, uh, and I, you know, I, I, 
I don't just pay attention to my show. I pay attention to all the shows on AM 950 mm -hmm. because I, I just love seeing the interaction. And it's been really fun to see so many people like interact during your show, you know, mm -hmm. and just be very excited for what you have to say. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it may sound cliche, but it's so true. We, we can't do this without them. And we, absolutely. We, we've been very grateful. Now, last week we kicked off uh, Listener Appreciation Month. We've got another today over the phone lines a little bit later on. Not now. Not, no, 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 <laughs> not now. In a little bit, we will give away another pair of tickets to the meet and greet for tomorrow. And I do want to, one quick side note here on the meet and greet. This is not an open event. This is, no. we're going to probably do something. We're actually in the mm -hmm. beginning stages of talking about doing something yep. that's going to be an open event for everyone a little bit later on. This is, uh, this meet and greet is, is kind of a ticketed event only. That is going to be happening tomorrow, six to eight, the meet and greet. I'm looking forward to being out there. After the show, I'm scrambling home, cleaning myself up and getting over there. So we're going to have a good fun with that. We, of course, have, once again, another pair, my last pair of tickets to give away on this show today. But one of the things we did last week is we told people there were multiple ways to sign up either on Facebook and getting the newsletter, right? Absolutely. We we really wanted to uh, see the reaction that we have for the station uh, on Facebook and see, you know, who likes the page, who who likes our posts and who, how they interact with us. And also like our uh, e-newsletter as well as reaction to the e-newsletter. And we really wanted to make sure that all those people had a chance to uh, win some great prizes too. Yeah, and we because I mean online presence is huge, and we've seen it. I mean I've seen it with with the the stuff that we've done online. Uh, we've done some of these videos; they get just huge results. It's it's in the followers. I mean what, nine thousand on Facebook. You know you know tons of places people elsewhere elsewhere. So it's something. This is a way for us to to say thanks for all the people that get online and listening online right now. So what we have done is I'm calling it the Wheel of Destiny. There it is. It's right, if you're watching the, the show uh, on the stream, it is right behind me here. This is a wheel. Who are all these names? So these are the folks, and, and may I also just stress, no expense was spared uh, putting this Wheel of Destiny together. All right, that, that's, I just want to make sure that we, 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 we contacted Lucasfilm to uh, put this together, ah. this, this CGI of, of HTML and Flash for us. Uh, we, this is uh, everybody who uh, liked uh, any of our posts, who liked uh, the page, who liked, uh, who actually also commented on anything we had done. Uh, also, the the newsletter responded to the newsletter. So right. we got a for week one. We did pretty well, I think. Yeah, it, it looks like Rogue Two. I mean, it really <laughs> is. This is this is. You think there's high tech special effects in Star Wars? Yeah. We've got four. Count them. Four different colors on this wheel. Yeah. That is, and, and it goes in one direction like a NASCAR race. So here. <laughs> we have got. We're going to give away right now. We're going to spin the wheel of de destiny uh, five times, and the people that come up, the names that we get coming up here on the wheel of destiny, they're going to get tickets to the meet and greet coming up tomorrow night. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to. I do want to stress if your name isn't called, uh, Patrick is the one actually clicking the button. So no, well, your, your beef is with Patrick, not us. Well, and uh, there, oh. there's not a the, <laughs> when we used to do this stuff and tells you how long I've been in this industry when we actually have the clickety click clickety click wheel, right. which was always so loud and obnoxious that I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is yeah. 
We do not have a clicking sound here. I'm sorry. We the, the budget just couldn't afford clicking well, sounds. It's just, it, not it, this time. You can see the high quality here. <laughs> All right. So when we click this, I will make clicking sounds because that's what I'm paid to do. Um, I'll make clicking sounds. So we got five to do this. So when we're ready, let's give the Wheel of Destiny its first big spin here. All right. Here we go. All right. And one second. Oh, there it is. Click, 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 Go ahead, let's spin it a second time. Clickety click 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 click. Okay. And that is Jay Solomon. Jay Solomon, congratulations. You have won yourself a pair of meet and greet tickets for tomorrow night. Uh so congratulations there. This is spin number three. Um, yeah, we got, we got, there we go. Spin number three. Let's hit it. Oh yes. Look at that wheel spin. That is a glaucoma test. If I, well, yeah, there we go. All right. And, and, oh, oh look at that. Last barely second. went over to Karen Richner. Karen. It's, it's like, it's like the price is right with, if you go, oh, a do, go over a dollar, then that's a problem. But. Oh yes. So Karen Richner, Karen Richner, congratulations. You've got tickets to go to the meet and greet. Uh, two more of these. Let's spin it one more time here. Click, 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 click. Jim Johnson. There you go, Jim. You have one on the wheel of destiny. That's winner number four. Jim Johnson, congratulations. So here's our final wheel of destiny winner for today now we're going to be doing this uh we're going to be doing this uh with other people that sign up on facebook and stuff through this absolutely all month long it went a week once a week we're going to be doing this once a week you get to hear me make sounds like i'm i'm mimicking a tap dancer click and click let's click it one more time this week here's our final winner today click it click 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 Jason Husby, Hughesby, Hughesby, I'll go with Hughesby, H-U-S-B-Y. Jason Hughesby, congratulations. You have won yourself a pair of tickets to the meet and greet as well. So all the winners there, congratulations. Uh, If you did not hear your name, do not worry. We have once again... For the people that are for going over to Facebook, you like us, you, you you follow us on Facebook, you comment or like any of the posts, you get entered in on the Wheel of Destiny. Go to the newsletter on am950radio.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And then in the newsletter itself, we'll tell you ways you can get registered as well. Everyone that does that, guess what? They get onto the Wheel of Destiny and you have your chance at tickets. I will say this, and I'm going to say, I, I think, can I officially say what we've got coming up later this week as far as tickets. Can absolutely. I All right. Absolutely. Later this week on the show for our Listener Appreciation Month, I got tickets to go see Lewis Black, and I got tickets to go see Randy Rainbow. That's later this week. All right? So make sure you're yeah. listening for your chance to win on that. Listen in Robert Pilot's show. He's got stuff to give away as well uh, that is going to be going. So you, you, you can check that out with his yep. show. Uh, and then, of course, on your show, you're giving away stuff as well. Same stuff, absolutely. There you go. That's later this week. 
Congratulations to our five winners. They got tickets to the meet and greet. I've got one more pair, the last pair of tickets to the meet and greet, which once again is a ticketed event for this. For people who we've had a lot of people who have wanted to get involved in this, don't worry. We've got something in the works right now for everybody. We're yep. going to be doing it in a few, a few weeks here. So just keep listening for details on that. And a reminder, the grand prize later on this, and when we, we can't, still can't say it officially, mm-hmm. But the grand prize is going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be worth it. You're going to be, you're going to love this. Uh, thank you, uh, Greg. I, I appreciate you. you coming on in the studio. I appreciate you taking some time today. Congratulations to the five winners. We'll, uh, we'll go. Like I said, keep listening for your chance to win the last pair a little bit later on. Michael Broadcorp also coming in this hour to give his requiem for the Super Bowl. When we uh, do come on back, though, we'll talk a little bit about the opening of session over in St. Paul. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Queens on the throne. We will pop champagne and raise a AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. I'm like the Wheel of Destiny, man. Wheel of Destiny is nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, congratulations to the five winners there. Once again, another pair, the last pair of tickets to the meet and greet today. Uh, listen, in the, sometime in this hour, we'll give those away. 952-946-6205. So I don't know if you saw the news story of the lights that have been cannibalized Patrick, did you remember that story that the the street lights there? Someone's going around and taking out the the, the workings of the street lights and trying. I guess they think that there's enough copper or anything in there that they can get get out of there that they can sell. Yeah, I've heard this going on. I I went walking twice this weekend. I went down. I was up on the Mississippi River Boulevard on the St. Paul side. Lovely walk over there by St. Thomas that you can kind of go down. We were just walking. We came across a stretch of streetlights where every one of them, the, the, the panel had been ripped apart and someone had cannibalized it. And then yesterday I hiked Nokomis. Oh, it's only Nokomis. And same thing. I came across multiple streetlights out there that have been cannibalized. If you see someone out there doing that, call the cops. And to the people who are doing it, doing it burning hell, man. Jeez, man. What are you doing? God, man, can't have anything nice until you kind of knuckleheads come around. And if anyone buys that copper, I mean, let's chuck it. I mean, it's got to be pretty clear what's going on there. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I'm just, uh, just, just go out and see that level of destruction. I was not happy. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. So uh, Broadcorp coming up here in about 12 minutes or so to, like I said, kind of give a requiem on the entire football season. And maybe talk a little bit about what I'm going to get into next. The legislative session kicked off today over in St. Paul. Armed with a short lift of priorities compared to last year's historic session and carrying a far smaller pot of money, the DFL legislators who control both the House and the Senate with narrow majorities last year passed most of their progressive priorities many years in the making, like legalizing recreational cannabis, creating paid family leave, medical family leave, and passing gun regulations. It implemented a $72 billion two-year budget and spent the state's $17.6 billion surplus. This year will look relatively slow pace compared to the 2023 breakneck speed. The state will release the next budget forecast in the coming weeks which will inform lawmakers how much money they have to spend. There will certainly be less on the spending side, but I do think that our members 
have many ideas that they're passionate about in their communities, said House Majority Leader Jamie Long, DFLer from Minneapolis. I do anticipate this being session being a productive one. We'll have a lot of wins coming out of the session for Minnesotans. Um, the, here's what to keep an eye out. Um, um, you know, you know, the, well, the, the, the reformer, by the way, put out uh, some lists here on you know, housing and public safety issues, which you should see. But some of the other issues is to keep an eye out just on you know, some of its cosmetic is the new Senate Majority Leader, Aaron Murphy. Now, Aaron is a – well, she's an Aaron Murphy, Senator Murphy – it's a Senate Majority Leader. There you go. I'll get the whole thing in. She's just a great person. I've known her for many years. I'm a big fan of hers. She's just quality leadership. And um, the Senate's got a good leader there with Aaron Murphy from uh, St. Paul. She was elected uh, Senate Majority Leader by her colleagues less than a week before session began. Former Senate Majority Leader Carrie Dietzik, the DFL from Minneapolis, announced on February 2nd that she would step down from her leadership position after learning her cancer had returned. Dietzik will still represent her Northeast Minneapolis district, though. Murphy, who gave little away during a recent interview with the reformer, did share that she's determined to follow Dietzik's footsteps and keep the caucus narrow, 34 or 33 majority unified, using Dietzik's model, consistent behind-the-scenes conversations with fellow senators. I mean, what they did last year was <laughs> was unbelievable. What, what it, was, it was truly remarkable what the DFL got done last year. That was amazing. I'm going to continue to build on our model, working through each issue, engaging members of our caucus, because there are 34 of us who are talented, who are strong. We all are leaders in their own right. will build on that strength to assure that we are able to move the agenda together. Murphy will need to unite her more moderate and left-wing colleagues, some of whom over the interim were sharply divided over the Israeli-Hamas war, challenging sharp emails in November, uh, exchanging uh, sharp emails in November. Um... When asked about that divide, Murphy had said, I think where it's fair to say that we watch the continuation of the war in the Middle East, that people have their own experiences with that, and we'll just leave it at that. I think, you know, yeah. Despite the leadership shakeup days before the session began, senators are ready to do the work of a typical non-budget year's legislative session. Murphy said that includes a debt finance construction package, tweaking the bills that need to be fixed, and introducing some new policy. Uh, the infrastructure pa package, also known as the bonding bill. Uh, that is going to be the big one. Now, what's going to be interesting is that you need Republicans on, in both the House and the Senate to go along with this bill for this bill to pass. And one of the things, particularly Republicans in outstate Minnesota, you've got a few really big freaking issues. Your water is deteriorating and deteriorating fast. And in many of these communities, the filtration processes they have in place cannot handle the insanely increased amount of nitrates in the water supply. And so you're going to need water treatment, updated water treatment facilities across the board. I mean, I make an argument we probably should stop putting the freaking nitrates on the ground in the numbers and in, in the amounts that we're doing, but hey, heaven forbid we do something like that. So, the, the, you've got there is undeniably many of the conservative districts who desperately and frankly and 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 there's no shame in this being hat in hand to the state saying we really need your help. Absolutely. See, I'm on the DFL side here. 
Democrats are in charge, or, or, or their mentality is not to basically punish people or only reward certain people. We want to make sure the state is better. So, yeah, indeed, the Twin Cities metro area basically subsidizes the rest of the state. I get that. But we shouldn't have large swaths of the state where people can't drink water in the land of 10,000 lakes. Come on. We need to fix this. But the question that you have, and this is the legit question, is... What do you do when your party tells you any compromise whatsoever is wrong? Now, I would hope that the Republicans would have learned their lesson because reminder, in 2022, they had a deal with the governor to pass a bunch of legislation, but they said in the bonding bill year, and they said, No, we're going to sweep to power in November, and we're going to jam our agenda down their throats. Funny story, did not happen. Walls wins uh, the governor's office, and of course the Democrats take the House and the Senate. And then all of a sudden, those same cocky jackassian Republicans were all the, uh, the... well, you know, Governor Walls, you, you 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 had a deal with us. We you call us back and we'll pass that deal in a heartbeat. Uh, no, you had your chance, and you should have learned your lesson. Let's see if they learned their lesson, because I don't know if they learned their lesson. And their lesson should be is that with the Democrats in charge of everything, you do need to basically have if they're willing to make concessions and help out your community well then you need to look at the rest of the republican party that says never compromise with anyone because you know i i can we can already point to the republican politicians in this state who basically could have a house on fire and would turn the fire department away because they would rather have their constituents burn than basically have any money from the state come on out and help them because they don't want to have to give DFL credit, credit, especially not in election year. We already know who those people are. But there are a lot of people that need help now. How about rural? I mean, and I don't know how much the bonding bill could help out, you know, the, the funding for these rural hospitals, but at the same time, you know, I would say that there's a legitimate need for transportation to get from these communities that are grossly underserved by hospitals right now to, you know, to hospitals that they, they, they can get served at, they can get the healthcare they need. So we'll have to see about that. So this is, this is going to be, you know, from the reformer story, lawmakers say their biggest priority is passing an infrastructure package colloquially known as the bonding bill because it, the state t- typically relies on borrowed money for construction projects on roads, bridges, wastewater plants, as well as maintenance of university buildings and other state assets. The legislature typically passes infrastructure pa- packages during even number years, but last year's lawmakers approved 2.6 infrastructure bill after a split legislature had called critical public work spending, uh, had, had stalled critical public work spending it for two years. So Governor Mullen's last month, Wall's month, last month announced a, his $982 million infrastructure project proposal with about $819 million of it borrowed through general obligation bonds. Nearly half of Wall's proposed funding is allocated to maintenance on existing infrastructure. Lawmakers are expected to propose a similar package. Borrowing money through bonds requires a three-fifths legislative supermajority. Last year, Republicans leveraged their needed votes to uh, advocate for more nursing home funding. 
Republicans and the DFL majority agreed in the final days of the session to an extra $300 million for nursing homes. Majority leader, uh, minority leader, excuse me, Mark Johnson of Grand Forks, uh, East Grand Forks said Republicans this year are prepared to do the same, especially if the Bonnie Bill includes projects outside of nuts and bolts infrastructure like roads, bridges, and wastewater plants. Like I said, even the Republicans realize they desperately need money because these nitrate levels in the water are just out of control at this point. And so you you have Johnson at least you know on the in the press release here in the in the press conference basically saying yep we're willing to work together with them we're in a better position we have more leverage now that Democrats can't just paper over with money you know within our own caucus and horse trade amongst themselves Johnson said I think our caucus it should be very good year we can have some leverage and have an impact on policy yeah but you're still in the minority so if you're stupid enough to think that you're going to be able to force their hand and get a majority of what you want to get passed with them getting a minority of what they want to get passed, you're fools. And so, and and by the way, try that with Aaron Murphy. I just, I'm going to let you know, Aaron Murphy, yeah, go, go for that. You know, try that. Good luck. All my best. I'll tell you what, we'll break down some of the specific issues in a little bit. But when we do come on back, Michael Broadcorp, kind enough to join us, We'll put the, the requiem, the soliloquy on 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 the, the, the football season as a whole, get his thoughts on the game, and maybe get his thoughts on the opening of the session as well. We'll talk to him when we do return. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. As promised, Michael Broadcorp kind of joining us to recap the Super Bowl. And maybe get his thoughts here on the beginning of session. Hi, Michael. How are we today? Wonderful. Another Super Bowl that I watched, and the Minnesota Vikings are not holding up the Lombardi Trophy. How about the joke against the Vikings on the, the CBS promo for their ghost, uh, the show Ghost, where the Viking says, I like the Super Bowl, but I'm not invited too often. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just they're just twisting the knife in there, Matt. They're just twisting the knife in. Uh, Patrick brought up earlier, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. First quarter was boring as all get goes. Second quarter picked it up a little get a bit, but once you got into the third, fourth, and the overtime, it was that was a darn entertaining game. There's no question about it. It was a slow start, and the game picked up, uh, but it was a heck of a game to watch near the end. And uh, boy, oh boy, uh, it was an entertaining game and uh, something for the story, something for the history books. We'll see what Kansas City does next season, but uh, there is a lot to digest from that game last night. But it did was a very slow burn, uh, but once it took off, boy, oh boy, did it really take off. Did you notice that when Kansas City, they kept trying to run their ball, and their running backs were not doing a good job? And it was when Mahomes went with either a pass or Mahomes himself would run that San Francisco, who looked so dominant on defense, just didn't know what they were doing. I mean, Mahomes being able to get those runs, especially in the overtime plays, uh, that was it, well, the, the, the play that led up to the field goal that tied it and then in the overtime. It, it just, they were clearly not prepared for him as a runner nearly as much as they were able to control the, the Kansas City running backs themselves. Correct. He had a lot of mobility on during last night's game, and they had a tough time adjusting to that. And boy, oh boy, I think you know the game was close near the end, uh, but I, and it obviously went into overtime. But I think there's a lot of plays that 
uh, had San Francisco had more time and uh, just maybe just dealt with that the fluidity of uh, Mahomes on the field, they could have done more to, to stop. But boy, oh boy, they came as close as you can get. Yeah, it was really a close game. Well, and I I kept watching that that San Francisco defense. I was just like, how is Kansas City even in this game? Because I mean, how many times was it just you know just clobbering, just punching Kansas City right in the face? And, I mean, even by the time I got into the fourth quarter, I'm like, oh, yeah, this game's actually a lot closer than it looks like. Well, the other thing I would say as a, as a diehard Vikings fan is, boy, the caliber of both teams are different than what the Vikings put on the field this season. Yeah. I mean, it <laughs> yes. was there's, I mean, that's really where you start to see those two, really some fine-tuned engines on the football field last night. And the Vikings are just not in that position. But it was, an, it was a, certainly an entertaining game to watch. I've heard from a number of people uh, that that shared kind of the take about kind of the slow start. It was something that will be great to watch, and I think it's gonna. It's a precursor. I think it's also a potential matchup that we could see <coughs> next season. There's no reason not to think that both Kansas City and San Francisco are going to be right back in it next season. Did it ever cross your mind? I was watching that game that only a few months ago was that Vikings Raiders game in that same building. And it was just a, a much different vibe of a game. <laughs> yes. It was a much different vibe. Yes. And, and, and I, I have to also say just from a process standpoint, I don't know if you picked this up too, but there was a number of expectations that there were going to be some structural problems or just operationally, there were going to be some problems in that Super Bowl, uh in that, in just the kind of the operations of how that game was played, but by all accounts, the field was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and it was a, it was a, it was a well orchestrated Super Bowl. We can have a discussion at some point later about the halftime show. I don't know if I'm an expert on that topic, but the field, the quality of the turf, and everything, it was just a good, well run game. I'll let I'll let you talk of the halftime show because I thought it went pretty well. The one thing I was concerned about it. Did you see how the stage was bending and bouncing when they were at the very end of it? I was scared to death of that thing collapsing. Yes, and I just have to say, I'm I cannot offer any expertise on any anything related to the halftime show. It it, it occurred. I have no place commenting on that. There's just nothing that I can offer to the entertainment of of other than saying I still believe Prince uh, yes. performed one of the best, if not the best, halftime show. Uh, in the history of them ever happening, and so that's all I can really add to it. <laughs> Prince had sex with America in Miami. That was <laughs> during a rainstorm. There's that, your pull <laughs> quote right there. There's your pull quote. There it is. Uh, Alicia Keys, by the way, just I do love her. Uh, any of the? What was your favorite commercial during the game? Um, I, 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 I've couple. I like the 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 kind of the obnoxiousness of the Ben Affleck commercial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really great. I also liked the, uh, the sometimes you, preview for sometimes you make it hard being your friend. <laughs> that yeah, that like. was hands down probably my favorite. Uh, how about you? Oh, I think I, I agree with you, man. The Dunkin' Donuts ad was really good. I did love Schwimmer's line at the end of the Uber Eats ad where he says i can't stand this town <laughs> that, that, yes. that, that was a that was a good payoff at the end of that one. Oh yeah overall I, th- I thought they were good and i did like and one that didn't do as well but i thought it was good was the mgm bets one where they said everyone can yes. bet except tom brady and i thought it, that was a good concept for the ad yeah no it was a great concept a great ad we saw there's tom brady was then also in the Affleck ad yeah so he did he had he even though he wasn't playing in the super bowl he did have some screen time but overall just a great production, and uh, here's just one thing I'll put on my my partisan hat for a second, but it will be more of a, a swipe. Is that there's a lot of MAGA people upset today, and that's something that we should 
we should be happy a little bit about. Well, I mean, they're they're pretty pretty upset about about Taylor Swift and and good for her in her first in her rookie season. She was able to win the Super Bowl too, so good for her. Congratulations to her. I mean, it's, you couldn't write that script. The superstar rock star kissing her boyfriend on the field after he wins the Super Bowl. I mean, dear Lord, it's it, you know, it's it, it's cute. It's there. I mean, throw Andy Reid in the background. It's it, you know, it overall. I mean, it, there are things you can that might be worth your while disliking. That's not one of them because. That just kind of that's freaking Americana right there. Oh, that's just it is. It's that it's it's a wonderful story. It's something that uh, someone in Hollywood couldn't script as much as people on the on the partisan Republican side think it's some kind of psyop. It's not. <laughs> it's not been scripted. It was wonderful. It was authentic, and it was great to watch. And again, I was pulling for San Francisco, uh, but boy, it certainly wasn't because I had any objection to the success or, or anything related to Taylor Swift. It just was my personal pick. But boy, oh boy, it was a great game, and um, uh, you know, it'd be great to see what happens next season. The country owes them a favor because that was what it was supposed to be. It's supposed to be a good game. All right, so you're back. It was a great game. You're back here either late August, or early September. That's when we get we get done with that the uh, the uh, the, uh, the preseason games and get ready for the first game of the season. Then we'll have you back for Viking stuff. We'll have you back before that, especially the politics stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have you back for that for for next season. So get prepared for that. Keep an eye on things. All right. You know what my prediction is? What's that? Bikes are going to the Super Bowl. Are they going mean, to the Super Bowl? There's, 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 that's my plan. I, you know, they're, they're not, you figure out some of these things, they're not that far away. It just is, you, you know, you, when, you said it best. Those two teams on the field were leaps and bounds better than any game I saw the Vikings play, even with Kirk Cousins. And and it just is you need to have people that have that fire that are trying to win a Super Bowl as opposed to just trying to win that day's game. And there's I think it's a vision issue to a point. Correct. And, and I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I do have my Vikings. I did get my Vikings themed license plates. And did it's you? fair to say that it's a it, yes. And the, the the phrase on it, which is shortened in some way basically says, I believe. That's what my license plate now says. That's how much I, and so outstanding. I believe. Outstanding. Uh, we'll definitely, you're coming back next season for the Vikings. Uh, I got an, an update on twins for some, on, on a completely different story in a second. But with the session kicking off today, one bit of news I saw from uh, the uh, from Dina Winter over at the Reformer, uh, some Democrats had put forward the idea of trying to pass a sanctuary state bill. That appears to be dead because even the DFL knows they don't have enough votes in either the House or the Senate to get that done. So it sounds like the sanctuary state bill is is not going to happen. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, where it goes. I mean, it, it's uh, where the legislative process goes. I mean, I do think, as we were talking about, I think we spoke on we last spoke on Friday, Matt. I think that has the potential to be. A, a bill that uh, Republicans really rally against, and I think that we'll see what the Democrats do. I know that there are some uh, some previous articles about you know some legislators having some support for it. We'll see. I mean, you know, this if I were the, if I were advising the legislative Democrats, which I'm clearly not, I would be. My suggestion would be a neat and tidy, um, a neat and tidy session, uh, and get in, get out as quickly as you can. I think that's possible, too, because one of the things I was mentioning before you came on the air, even with Republicans, we got to deal with this nitrate in the water issue. 
and across the state, specifically in the western part, southwestern part, and southeastern part of the state, we have insane amounts of nitrates that are getting into the drinking water. And the facilities we have just are not capable of filtering all that stuff out. I, I think there's a real need here. And I think that if, if the, the DFL can look at the, the, the House GOP and, just, and the Senate GOP and say, here's the deal. We'll, how many, how many you, know, you know, treatment plants do we need to get fixed here? And get that done. I think that that will go a long way to this being a fairly speed bump free you know, session. Yes, I, I think that um, I think and now putting on my partisan hat and advising the Republicans. Yes, I think they need to not have that happen. I think that they need to have there be uh, some bumps. They need to be some ups and downs and they need to make sure that the legislative session is not tidy. I think that's the way that you do it uh, when you're in the minority on either side. Mm-hmm. But I think that would be the benefit in this situation. And if the, if the Republicans were in control, I'd be saying the same things about the Democrats, that that, that should be their strategy. They the, So who's ever in the minority, in the minority party, they need a bumpy legislative session. They need to be able to go out and make the case to the voters that, that who is currently at the, who currently has their hand at the till of state government isn't responsible to run it. And so we'll see what they do. It's going to be an interesting session, and, and I think it's fair to say uh, it's it's going to be fast paced. It's not unlike last night's game that started very slowly. <laughs> I think this legislative session is going to start pretty quick. Well, and one last thing I ask you is: Do you think at the end? Because do you think that the Republicans are are a bit gun shy about what happened in 2022, where they had a deal in place, they turned the deal down. Of course, their their expectation was they were going to win the House, the Senate, and the governor's race. That did not happen. Do you feel as if speed bumps or not? that at the end of this, there will be a deal that enough Republicans with the bonding bill will get on board with and get it passed? Or do you feel as if that there's a, a higher chance that they might say, okay, I'd rather torpedo this, no bonding bill this year, and we'll see what happens in November? It really depends. I mean, I could see six of one, half dozen of the other. One thing that I will say with national politics playing up this cycle, the fact that it's a presidential year, that gets more interest. And and I could, I could see a scenario, Matt, where, uh, you know, activists, paying much more attention to national politics and the activists are kind of excited and ginned up that maybe having a bonding bill is something that's not as palatable for a lot of Republican activists and people in these Republican districts. It'd be much easier to have that happen in a more of a sleepy year. Mm-hmm. But with this being kind of a jacked up election cycle, I wonder what electoral politics will play into the passage of a bonding bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that really creates some division between that's a, that's a creates, I mean, the Democrats, this is an opportunity because they're generally in solidarity on, on, on the capital investment projects. But uh, for the Republicans, it can be much more of a dicey type situation. So we'll see. That's something that's a good point to watch. All right. We'll, we'll definitely have you back on in the next few weeks to talk more politics stuff. Thank you so much for all your comments on the Viking season. Very appreciative. Spot on stuff. I think you and I had the most honest show on this stuff in the period through this entire season. So you are more than welcome back next year to talk Vikes, and I always appreciate when you talk politics. Thank you very much. I I really do appreciate the opportunity to come on. It's a real passion of mine. I'm I'm not as smart as it as as others are in, in our conversations. I've learned a lot from talking with you. I hope they can continue, and thanks again for the opportunity. My bet, and I'll tell you what, I actually think you are smarter than a lot of other people about this. I, <laughs> I think this is, a, this is a good thing, so I'm very grateful. Michael Broadcorp, our Vikings uh, expert. Thank you, Michael. appreciate that. Uh, two things we got to do here really quick. First of all, I did want to mention uh, I got approached by Representative Mike Freiberg, uh, who wants to talk baseball. He's a Twins fan. And so I, because we're not going to do that every damn game. I'm not going to do every damn game. We're just not. 
but I'm probably going to have the representative on to talk twins on a regular basis starting probably in April uh, on that, you know, to kind of get it there. Uh, I'm a little concerned about this twin season. I don't know. Patrick, are you a little concerned about this twin season? I'm a little concerned about the back end of the starting pitching rotation. Yippers. That's uh, that's my big, uh, what are we doing there right now? No idea. I'm slated to start fourth. Uh, I don't know. That's a, I'm not, a, that's, that's a bad sign. <laughs> the representative going to be the fifth starter. Then? Could be. I think you're called up, man. You're going to be, you're going to be the, the fifth starter. Uh, yeah. I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, the other thing before we get into the break here is guess what? I've got that last pair of tickets to the meet and greet to give away right now. If you would like to join us tomorrow night for the meet and greet, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Uh, caller number five, caller number five right now, you will get yourself a pair of tickets to the meet and greet. Good luck, 952 946 6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. I'll get back into some session issues when I do return as well. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It is the Matt McNeil show. We do have our winner here. I'll, we'll find out the name here in just a second. And I do want to make sure I reiterate, uh, cause we've had a lot of people saying, Hey, I want to get tickets to this thing. This is a, this is a kind of a, you have to win tickets to get into this. And we understand because we've had a lot of people say, Hey, we need to do something with the station. We've got, we're going to work on something here for everyone to come out and enjoy. That's coming up here before too long. So just keep listening for that tomorrow night. It's you got to you had to win the tickets to get the get into that event. That's tomorrow night, six to eight. Uh, but keep listening. Not only will I have tickets to go see Lewis Black this week. Not only will I have tickets to go see Randy Rainbow this week, uh, as Listener Appreciation Month kicks continues. But as well, we will we we got a great grand prize, and we will have a station event here before too long for everybody. And we want everyone to come on out. Patrick, who is our winner? Javier from South Minneapolis. Uh, we'll see you at the Park Tavern tomorrow night. Javier Park, uh, from Minneapolis. Congratulations. Uh, we look forward to seeing you out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. So back to the session stuff, because I did want to make, well, and just want to make, once again, want to break down, that Dina Winter is reporting that the Minnesota Sanctuary State appears to be DOA, as the House Speaker says it doesn't have the votes. In reminder, the, the House has got more wiggle room than the Senate does. If the House doesn't have the votes, the Senate surely doesn't have the vote. And one of the things I think what you're trying to say here, and, and to, to give Broadcorp a lot of credit here, is you know he he doesn't you know this isn't supposed to be nice. It isn't supposed to be a kumbaya. You got political parties that disagree. What I think the Democrats are trying to do is cut loose anything that might be a issue which could gain traction in the election. Don't get me wrong. I guarantee you the Republicans in the state are like, they're trying to make Minnesota a sanctuary state. I guarantee you that's going to be out there. But if you, they, they very publicly say, no, this bill is dead. We're not going to deal with it this session and kind of go with it. That, that kind of takes some of the wind out of their sails. But they, they've got to be careful um, that that you you basically don't get into a situation where you are, you know, you're giving them 
you know, room to work with. And that goes for this next issue. And once again, I'm not going, this is not a condemnation of the issue. This is not there, but this is already, I have seen Republicans getting together in force to talk about um, how they do not want this bill passed, and that is the legalizing medically assisted suicide. DFL lawmakers are hoping to legalize medically assisted suicide this year. The legislation would allow a person to request lethal medication if they can if they can take themselves if they are deemed mentally capable, meaning they have to have the ability to take inform, make informed decisions. The patient has to have been diagnosed with a terminal disease, have six months or less to live, and be 18 or older. The mentally capable requirement means people with dementia would not qualify as mentioned, Representative Mike Freeberg, uh, the, uh, the DFLer from Golden Valley, has proposed the version of the medically assisted suicide uh, legislation since 2015. During a press conference last month, he said this year he's optimistic the DFL majority can finally get the bill to the finish line. I don't believe this is a partisan issue, but I do think, you know, having a pro-choice majority in the House and Senate sure helps the chances we prioritize bodily anomaly, uh, autonomy, rather. And that is what this does at the last moment. People can exercise their bodily autonomy. The 10 states, including Oregon, New Jersey, Montana, New Jer- uh, and New Mexico, have legalized physician-assisted suicide. So there, there is, that's one of the things out there. It's, it's not just liberal states. Bill opponents are assist, say assisting someone's death is immoral. The same people that say the death penalty is a good thing. But, you know, at the same time... I don't expect them to. I it, this this is like I said. I think the Republicans want this bill to come to the floor because they want to be seen as, you know, that you know will will the 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 bloodlust of the Democrats never end. I think that that's kind of the mentality. Legalized sports betting uh, is also going to be up on the ballot here once again. They had a, a proposal out there that kind of got killed because Republicans are insisting that. Canterbury Downs and running aces are included in the sports, being able to have a sports book. The sports leagues and the Native American drafts and the sports leagues themselves want it just to be on Native American casinos. And I don't have any problem with that. I think that, that yeah, that's what, you know, I, I don't really have a problem with that. The Republicans are so betrothed to the non Native American gambling. Uh, that they basically are willing to kill this bill. Now, I made my opinion known on this for a long time. I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, yesterday, I have zero doubt there are a lot of people in the suburbs who lost five figures on bets they made through online apps and stuff like that. Zero doubt across the country. People have lost their house because of gambling yesterday, without a doubt in my mind. And yeah, it's really easy to sort of say, well, it's an individual choice. Yeah, but if you keep putting the food in front of them, are you surprised they're taking a bite? And not only putting the food in front of them, but basically looking, it's like, ah, there it is. All that food ready for you to eat. Take a bite. Nothing's stopping you. And that's where we're at with that. So uh, I'm not going to be surprised by that. One of the things the DFL is also proactively doing is they're trying to take anything that could be a challenge to them in the political session from last session and fixing it. Um, they basically, they, they, they made some errors, one that could cost taxpayers $352 million. They're going to fix that. Um, they also want to go walk back portions of the uh, law 
uh, that lim- limits how police can physically restrain students. I personally think the Democrats have screwed up that issue because if they can't do it in a prison, why should they be able to do it in a high school? And reminder, they can't do this stuff in a prison. Shouldn't that at least be the standard for a high school? Uh Basically, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But they, they've actually got that scheduled to be done and voted on and out of the way. So they're trying to get that one off the slate before the election cycle for sure. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.